Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, everybody? Welcome again. We're just so glad you're with us. My name is Joey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor. Let's welcome our online community. Come on, let's say hello. And then all of our physical locations, let's welcome everybody. A couple quick things before we get in the word today. First of all, we're in a season called it Great Lent, and we're in the 40 days leading up to Easter, excited about what God's doing. We're fasting as a community. A lot of people doing a lot of different things, uh, but we have given you a fasting guide to help you uh, to, to do something if you're not sure what to do. And so this coming week is a media fast. So no movies or, or TV or stuff like that. Obviously, you got to use internet for work and so forth. But uh, the goal is to try to stay away from that and stay in prayer. Maybe listen to more worship music or, or preaching podcast or something like that. So I want to encourage you to jump in with us as we fast and pray, as we prepare for Easter. And uh, on every seat, there are invites to Easter. This year, we're calling it Because He Lives. It's going to be amazing. Oh, you're going to love it. Invite your friends and family grab those, take those, don't waste them, all right, even uh, online, all right, be ready to share and prepare for Easter, gonna be spectacular, all right, should I use any more adjectives for Easter? <laughs> um, okay, I want to do something uh, today, I want, if you're at a physical location, I want you to stand to your feet, every location, um, and I've, I've asked Pastor Derek in a moment to lead us uh, corporately uh, and sing as one church family. If you're online, come on, participate, stand to your feet. Uh, I want us to just, before we hear God's word, I'm going to preach about worship. Before we hear God's word, I want us to prepare our hearts for it. And so Pastor Derek's going to sing. I want to invite you at every location to sing along with us. Pastor Derek, take it away. Come on, let's sing this hymn together. Every person, every voice. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Sing Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him. Let's sing that again. Sing Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, sing all to trust him more. 
trust him more. Come on, let's give God a praise. Let's lift it up. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Amen. You may be seated if you're at a physical location. And um, I hope you feel and sense the presence of God wherever you're at. You know, one place we're going to especially feel the presence of God is next week, because next week we launch our Northwest location. Come on, let's give God a praise. We're so excited for that, uh, Pastor Xavier and team, and uh, be praying for that uh, this week. Would you do that? And uh, inviting and so forth. All right, so let's get into it today. Great Lent week three. And, uh, you know, I've been married this summer. I'll have been married 10 years. So they're going to put my Venmo up on the... T- <laughs> I remember early in our marriage, uh, there were some adjustments. And uh, one of those things is my wife uh, puts ice uh, in her milk for cereal. Think about this. This is weird. I, I didn't know how to handle this. Ice in your milk with cereal. Why? I, I just am, you know, it's still a point of contention in this, this 10 year marriage. And so at, at first I'm like, I'm not, I'm not pouring this for you because this is going to waste milk. And this is very confusing. Then she did my laundry. And then I just said, okay. Now, there are other things that happen early, in the early days of marriage if you're, if you're uh, newly married. Uh, one thing happened one time. It was pretty tragic for me. Uh, I accidentally, uh, we had the similar color toothbrush, accidentally used my wife's toothbrush. I wanted to die right then and there. <laughs> There's just something about the, 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 the teeth, you know, share. It just, I, I don't know. I can't, can't do it. And, uh, and so that was, that was tragic. We got through it though, stayed together. And, uh, and so now we have totally and completely different color toothbrushes. Praise God. Uh, but one thing I did learn, uh, as, as we kept going and stayed together, uh, well, w- w- this really taught me like, like holidays, you know, as you get married, you kind of have to you have to kind of sacrifice and you have to choose, okay, what family are we going to do holidays with and all these different things, but it teaches you something. I learned that marriage is love and marriage is good and it's not really to make you happy as much as it is to make you holy. Um, And I'm not preaching about marriage today, but for marriage to work, uh, you, you have to have two things, mutual submission. There, there has to be submission and there also has to be sacrifice. It doesn't work otherwise. And, and that's really the basis of what I want to talk to you today about. I, I want to talk to you about worshiping the king. And to worship him, there has to be a level of submission and sacrifice, or, or you're just worshiping another god. And so over the next two weeks, I'm going to break this message up into two parts. Uh, The title of today's message is simple. It's how to worship the king, part one. How to worship the king, part one. Not a king, not some other God that's fake, not Baal who is not available. He's in the bathroom as the prophet said, but the king of kings. 
I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. Going to feel like you're in class a little bit. So if you're uh, if you're if you like that kind of stuff, today is especially for you. But I'm going to start at Psalms 150 verse six. Psalmist says, "Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord." Let everything. I love that. The psalmist knew this, that humans are worshipers. How do we know? Well, Nathan Finocchio, the great theologian of our time, says that our human body is an admiration apparatus. In other words, everything that we are, it admires things. We have passion for it. We're constantly adoring things. So how do you know what you worship? Well, he says it like this. There are, there are three questions that you should answer. Number one, what do you always have money for? You could be broke, but you still got Starbucks. I've been fasting coffee and my life feels meaningless. <laughs> I literally have no reason to wake up. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I wasn't fasting and if I was broke, I'd still find a way to drink coffee. I worship caffeine. <laughs> but it's true. What, what do you always have money for? You, you, don't, you, you, you don't bring your tithes to the storehouse, but you got money for things that matter. Look at your bank account. It will tell you what you worship. Now, what do you do? This is the second one. What do you do when time slips away? Like when there's sheer pleasure, when, when there's no consequence of your time. You know, what, where, where does your brain, where you're just, you're just whew, what do you do? It shows you what you worship. Number three, what do you worry about? Like if you lost it, your whole world would come crumbling down. The, these are ways to know kind of what we worship. What, what do we worry about? Uh, Brian Houston, Pastor Brian Houston says it like this. You can't worry and worship at the same time. And so uh, the, the, the chief end of man, according to the Westminster Catechism, which provides a lot of our, our ground level theological beliefs, says the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Or another way to say that would be to worship him forever. So the goal, hear me, the goal of authentic worship is to glorify God. It's okay for us to enjoy our worship gatherings, enjoy our small groups. It's okay for us to have fun in church and in Christendom, of course. But, but the point, especially of church, is for you to enjoy God more than you enjoy the experience. So like worship styles and preferences, they can distract us. Some people like worship, like hymns, and some people want gospel or rock ballads or, you know, whatever it is, and contemporary Christian music or whatever it is that, that you like. Those things are good. They're tools to help you open the door to worship and get in God's presence. How you receive the sermon. The, the sermon portion is an act of worship. Some of us, our preferences are not to receive a sermon like you're receiving it right now on video, but we do it because it keeps us as one church and one family. It's not, but, but are you receiving the word and are you applying it? That would make you a worshiper. I always say this. It's not how you receive the word. It's if you actually do something with it. Sometimes our preferences can get in the way.
Is the preacher funny? Yes. Is the music great? Yeah. Is there parking? <laughs> Probably not. Are there a million programs for me? Oh, why do they always receive an offering? Why don't they receive communion every single week? I mean, there's a million things that we can apply to the church uh, and to the church service and make it about our preferences and forget our chief purpose of being there is to enjoy God, bring others in so they might enjoy him also. Now, having desires that meet your need isn't bad. When you choose a church, you should love the mission. I think we have a pretty compelling mission, revive every block. We want to plant and put Jesus in every place that we possibly can. And, and, and so we want to serve our city. That, that's compelling. That's good. You should like the mission. Uh, but also the direction of the church. You should, you should trust that they're teaching the word of God. I mean, th those things aren't bad. You should also not be afraid uh, to put your children in kids ministry. And of course, there's natural nerves to, to anytime you give your kids somewhere. But like you shouldn't think that there's like abuse going on in kids ministry. Okay, but if but if things look, there's no church that's perfect. What what you're looking for and what we're trying to create is an atmosphere where you can experience the presence of God, where you can enjoy God and invite Him. Let's not let preferences get in the way. But more than anything, here's the question we need to be asking, especially as we participate in church: What is God's preference? What's God's preference? We're we're too caught up in our own preferences. What is God's preference? And, and here's the thing, like, I'm going to walk you through some of God's preferences, and we'll get into more of that next week, but let's, let's, let's bring it down to something simple. What is God after? God wants your heart. In Matthew 5, 35, Jesus responds, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with a question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you know this one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What? What is God after? What's his preference? He wants you to give him your heart. We see Old Testament standards in Jesus' words right here, but it's New Testament language. It's new covenant living. It's how to worship the king. Well, you have to actually, if you're going to give him your heart, you actually have to make him your king. Does that make sense? If you're going to really worship God, which is your chief purpose, you have to make him your king. He can't just be another God. He, he can't just be another thing that you worship. He can't just be something you throw time at or money at. He wants your heart. You, you give time, money, talent because he has your heart. And because when we do that, it shores up that he has our heart. You can't worship God unless you recognize he's a king worthy of worship. You may recognize that he's king, but not understand that he's worthy of worship. That's really important. Well, before I read that, what are God's preferences? And we'll get into this more next week, but, but gatherings are God's preference. You see it all through the scripture, which is why it's really hard for me to understand folks who have the ability and can come to a local church gathering and worship with other people because that's God's preference. Reverence and all, songs and praise, 
lips that bless his name, sharing what you have and doing good, sacrifice of praise, giving, communion. You see it in 1 Timothy where Paul's like, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands. Songs and petitions, first five books of the Old Testament and Psalms, it shows God's preferences. Is he worthy? Of course he's worthy. Let me prove it to you. Well, first of all, he's king. Daniel 6, 26, Bible says, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Daniel has just been rescued from the lion's den. For he's the living God, and this is, this is the, the, the people's, this is the, the evil king. For he is the living God and he'll endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. Did you see that? His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This is an earthly king with a lot of power saying that this king's kingdom will never end. Mark 15, 2, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you've said it. 1 Timothy 6, 15, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. He is king. But is he worthy? I'm going to read you an entire chapter of scripture right now. Revelation chapter five, verse one. This is John's writing. It says, and I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one, this is a vision, who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represented the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a, a harp. They held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. We'll talk about that next week. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And when I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, amen. 
And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. Wow. If that's all we heard today was the reading of God's word. The representation of Christ, the lamb who was slain, but the lion who has won the victory. He's worthy. He's the only one who can be. He's our king. See, true worship, friends, is an act of enthroning Christ as Lord and King of all your life. More practically, what does it mean to make him your king? How to worship the king? Well, here's where the rubber meets the road. You've got to live a life of total submission. The Hebrew understanding of this word, submission, it actually means worship, excuse me, the understanding, the Hebrew, the original understanding of the Hebrew people means to bow down. Complete submission to his will, to his lordship. The Jews understood that it entails every aspect of my life being brought under his lordship. In the New Testament, the Greek word for worship, proskuneu, is to adore. It's to prostrate, which means to bow or lay, and to kiss towards, which represents intimacy. Which is why we sing kind of the songs that we sing, because it does represent an intimacy. Father, I love you. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. In other words, God's saying to worship me, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind with all your soul. It's, it's a physical thing. It's an intellectual thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's, I want your heart. Love him. Submit yourself to him at your word, at your commands. Express it. You know, Zach Neese, he says it like this. If you take love out of worship, it's just dead religion. If you take lordship out of it and just have love, then you have empty emotionalism. True biblical worship is the marriage between loving God and submitting to his lordship. And that affects our actions, our pursuits, our dreams, our will, and it's this that changes our life. It's this that changes our life. And I'm just wondering, look at me for a moment. I'm just wondering, is there anything in your life today that isn't totally and completely submitted to him? Is it areas of unforgiveness or disbelief or doubt or fear or finance? Is it your time, your sexuality, your opinions? What is it in your life? Is there something that's not totally submitted? Are you unwilling to give that part of your life to God? Because until we are willing to say, okay, I'm submitted at your word, Lord. The best application is, is Simon and, and the disciples who fished all night and they're exhausted and they're tired. And then Jesus shows up and says, well, throw it on the other side. And well, we've been fishing on more all night and it, it hasn't worked. And in Jesus' mind, he's probably saying, exactly. But Simon says, at your word. Submission is simply at your word. I'm not going to fight and disagree. Maybe we can wrestle. 
Maybe we could talk about it. But at the end of the day, add your word. You want to worship the king, it's submission. It's at his word. The other part of it I see is a, is a life of, of total sacrifice. Hebrews 11, one through three, and then the second part is 11 through 12. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The, the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Jump down to verse 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, Jesus Christ, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. Okay, now let's jump over to Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind, the kind he will find acceptable. This is, the this is truly the way to worship him. In other words, Jesus is the final sacrifice. You don't have to go be a sacrifice. But when you're offering your heart and your life in response to while you were yet a sinner, he died for you and loved you. He loved you first. Before you were even made or formed, he was planning your life. You were actually predestined for good works. He intervened by his grace. He drew you in by his Holy Spirit. I might go on and on and on and on and on. The thing is, is what happens is, is while, we, while there is, there's a final sacrifice for our sin, we then, because he has our heart, then offer a sacrifice of our life. Submission and sacrifice, they're, they're like, they're almost like twin brothers. It's like you, you really can't have one without the other. I, I'm submitted, therefore I sacrifice and I want to because you love me and you've saved me. I bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord, not just to the people I like, but to the people who I have a hard time with. To my job where I feel I'm being overworked and underpaid to the people that I don't love, to the people who have hurt me, to my church or to starting again at church when I had been hurt previously at a church, to where I serve, to the offering plate, to my city. I go on and on and on and on and on and on. But how do I worship the king? I, I live a life of total sacrifice. I'm offering my body. My mind, my, 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 my heart. Because I'm, I'm submitted and I'm surrendered to the fact that he's worthy and he's king.
you know, I went to college in Dallas, Texas, and um, I was dating a girl. I thought it was relatively, uh, it was going somewhere. And we kind of got into some conversation about the future. And one of the questions he asked was, are you going to go to the Northeast one day? And with a quick yes, definitely. And I could feel her hesitation in the moment. Like, I don't know if that's for me. And I just knew right then and there, the relationship wasn't for me. Fast forward to meeting Lauren. We weren't even talking about what we were going to do in our future or where we were going to go. But even before those questions came up, Lauren made statements to me that, hey, wherever you go, that's where I belong. Wherever you feel called, that's where I'm called. At your word, I'm for life. And I knew, I knew right then and there, this might be the only person crazy enough to go to Philadelphia. That same posture, that same attitude, that same grit and willingness, we've got to take that and we've got to, we've got to, we've got to put that towards Christ. God, at your word, whatever you say, I'm there. I'm in whatever you're calling me to. Yes, I'm going. I'm, I'm with it. Whatever you're asking of my life, you can have it all. You are my king and I lay my life down. And one day I'm going to lay my crowns down. So I might as well get used to doing it now so that when I see you in glory, I'm already used to the practice of bowing low and kissing heaven and saying, all this is for you, Jesus. That's where we find the abundant life. That's where we enjoy God and find him. And that's where we find life. So I want every person to stand to their feet at physical locations. And if you're online, please participate. Our prayer teams are on their way. Our prayer leaders are on their way. And at every location, we're going to go into a time of singing, of worshiping the king. If you have prayer needs, if you need healing in your bodies, in your mind, or you simply want to lay before the Lord, the altars are open. My prayer is that you would experience him and enjoy him and let preferences dissipate as you please him and meet his preferences. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and change us. God, right now in this moment, we offer our heart to you. We're here to worship the one true king because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us sing. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.